0: this week's three topics are how targeted ads create filter bubbles and echo chambers by silvia milano retargeting what is it why you need it and how to do it and jigsaw the unit inside google that explores threats and builds technology is mapping clusters of disinformation the date is sunday august 1st 2021 the time is 20 hundred hours and you're listening to episode number 10 of communicate for effect you're listening to the communicate for effect podcast covering the strategies and tactics of digital communication this is the place for a quick weekly download of news tips and information to help you become a more effective digital communicator now here's your host mike nicholson Hey, I made it to number 10, double digits. The next the next big benchmark for me, I think, is number 14. I, I read somewhere that half of all podcasts have less than 14 episodes. So if I can make it to number 14, I guess I'm doing okay. I, I I don't know what the next big benchmark will be after that. 100? I don't know. I'll have to figure something out. Maybe give me something to shoot for. So for the first segment, I've got an article written by Sylvia Milano. She is a research fellow at the Future of Humanity Institute in the Faculty of Philosophy at the University of Oxford. The title of her article is, Targeted ads aren't just annoying, they can be harmful. Here's how to fight back. And it's on the Fast Company website. The premise of the article is that online targeted advertising divides us and isolates us and she is advocating for consumers to become more active participants in helping to regulate online advertising she starts you know by mentioning political advertising uh, the cambridge analytica scandal and the 2016 u.s election these i th- i think and she thinks are, are relatively well known and we've learned more about filter bubbles and echo chambers over the past few years you know at least some of us have. where she takes this article is not in the direction of political ads but it's in the direction of commercial ads now she says quote commercial targeted advertising is the primary source of revenue in the internet economy but we know little about how it affects us she and several others conducted some research into this area of how targeted ads affect us now there's a link to the uh, to their study in the article And the study is titled, uh, where is it? Epistemic Fragmentation Poses a Threat to the Governance of Online Targeting. So we collectively can see the effects of ads on groups of people in the physical world because we all can see an ad, you know, at a bus stop or a train station. But online consumers are more isolated because what they are seeing is specifically targeted to them. She writes that, you know, advertising standards authorities rely primarily on consumer complaints. So in the UK in 2015, there was a beach body ad on the subway uh, that commuters complained about saying it promoted harmful stereotypes. I I think I remember this one. Uh, In that case, she said there were 378 total complaints before action was taken to take down the ads. but she's curious about the impact on all the other people that saw it did not complain but still were perhaps you know impacted by the ads Uh, i i think the beachbody ad sounds like something that was done in poor taste which to me ultimately impacts that company you know reputation But as she points out in the article where she and others on her team are looking into is things like, excuse me, ads for, you know, high content foods that target children or gambling ads that target a person who who suffers from, you know, a gambling addiction. There's probably a number of other scenarios that you can think of kind of along this, you know, train of thought. Their research into this is called uh, epistemic fragmentation which is where the information available to an individual is limited to what is targeted at them without the opportunity to compare with others in some kind of common space. Now she says, quote, currently, Regulators are adopting a combination of two strategies to address these challenges. First, we see an increasing focus on educating consumers to give them control over how they're targeted. Second, there's a push toward monitoring ad campaigns proactively, automating screening mechanisms before ads are published online. What she is advocating for is giving consumers a bigger role and having them be you know, active participants. So she writes at the end, our research shows that it's not just political targeting that produces harms, commercial targeting requires our attention too. So, you know, interesting topic, you know, looking at the greater impact of all these targeted ads, you know, have on society. I have a link to both the Fast Company article and their academic article in the show notes. For topic number two, we're talking about ads and retargeting. What is it and how to do it for a business? So retargeting is an advertising technique that allows companies to display customized, targeted ads on the websites of people who have previously visited their site. So these ads are based on information that you you have provided to them when you visited another website. If you own a website and have a decent amount of traffic, you can do this because you will have collected data on your website visitors, including what pages they viewed and you know what content is of interest to them. If you set them up and, and pay for the ads, past visitors to your website will see your ads while they're browsing the web, you know watching YouTube videos or reading other you know, news sites. So as a business owner, this is useful because 97, you know, 97% of people that come to your website for the first time will leave without buying anything. In, in marketing, there's a thing called the rule of seven. Uh, the rule of seven says it takes an average of seven interactions with your brand before a purchase will take place. So retargeting, you know, can help you do that. So how do you do it? You know, you can do it through, through Google ads and it's a relatively easy process it it requires that you add a tag to each page on your website that you want to track so good for your business you can target customers that have been to your site and maybe get a sale um you know but as talked about in segment number one the larger impact on society as a whole what are the impacts of this filtered view on massive amounts of people you know don't know um if you own a small business you're most likely just trying to generate sales and make a living you know but there are others out there that can use this for other purposes like in this next segment so this one is interesting um jigsaw is a unit within google that explores threats and builds technology and they are mapping clusters of disinformation with George Washington University here in, in Washington DC. They interviewed uh, violent white supremacists and found that they use different online platforms for complementary purposes, like you know, recruiting new followers and coordinating private events. Now they write, quote, malicious actors such as violent white supremacists and people who knowingly spread COVID-19 disinformation operate primarily in loose social networks rather than cohesive groups. This informal structure means that the name or the logo used by a group on one platform may look different on another, making them more difficult to observe across the internet. So to tackle these issues effectively, a dynamic internet-wide approach is necessary that can capture malicious actors' informal, decentralized networks, end quote. And, And that's what they're looking at so in in cooperation with social scientists from from gw and using some techniques that were used to map isis online in 2016 they used you know this method to target hate speech and covid-19 misinformation what they found was that these quote hate clusters spread quickly between platforms using hyperlinks that acted like quote wormholes, moving users between platforms and between moderated and unmoderated platforms. So, I, you know, no big surprise there. I mean, that's that's how the internet and the sharing of information works. Um, wh- white supremacists intentionally chose a decentralization model to subvert content moderation and deplatforming. M- you know, much like ISIS, I suspect. And and there's probably an argument in there that. Deplatforming works and there's probably something in there that also you know, helps feed the conspiracy theorists you know I, I've, I've been deplatformed. they're trying to hide the truth from you so meet me over here on my more secret platform so one of the author writes in this one pull it up here quote um an extremist group has incentives to maintain a presence on a mainstream platform and they they like a Facebook page, where it shares incendiary news stories and provocative memes to draw in new followers. Then once they have built interest and gained the trust of those new followers, the most active members and page admins direct the vetted potential recruits toward their accounts in less moderated platforms such as Telegram or Gab where they can connect among themselves and more openly discuss hateful and extreme ideologies. So very interesting, you know, at least to me and, and the mapping aspect of this is extremely interesting because if you can map it, you can start to address it and maybe even predict it. So that's it for number 10. If you have any questions or comments for me, just go to 46alpha.com and shoot me a note. You can subscribe to Last Twenty Four Daily News Summary or follow my Flipboard magazine if you want to read more articles that I find interesting on digital comms, marketing, technology. I flip into that magazine. I'm Mike Nicholson, and I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to Communicate for Effect, a 46 Alpha podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. Google or wherever you like to receive your podcasts. You can find all this and much more at 46alpha.com.